0: When I used to work at a cinema, we used to have a folder full of the different synopsis for, di- for each film. Yes, and you could have a bunch of films which are really, really good, but whoever's written the synopsis, it's just yeah. So no one wants to re- no one wants to watch those films. Then you've yeah. got you know, I don't know Norbit or something like that. Yeah, this
1: is like the twelfth time in a row you've bought Norbit. <laughs> <laughs> like, We're not being
0: off.
2: sponsored by yeah.
0: I, <laughs> I just gender. <laughs> I did such a great job writing the synopsis. Okay, it was full of lies.
1: Hello, everyone. Hello. Good morning. Come back. And you'll notice an extra voice there, because we've got copywriting, fingers on your ears, legend, Andrew Bolton in the house. I, I just know you're going to be super modest about it, so... Uh,
3: yeah, that's all I, I. I ask to be referred to as copywriting legend everywhere <laughs> I go, even in the local supermarket.
1: You do ask about it, but you do say insist that you're too humble to say it yourself. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah nice thanks for joining us
3: absolute pleasure thanks for having me um
1: yeah you're someone that was on basically the top section of our list <laughs> where we had
3: uh, top section is vague
1: yeah isn't it? Well, there's only, <laughs> to be fair there's only three people on there. okay uh but that why you sectioned it we <laughs> wanted uh humble it's in the contract uh who we wanted on the podcast uh me and jess particularly uh been fans for a while now right yeah Drew's learnt to read so he can go through your book as well, which J- has been great. Just recently, yeah. yeah. Fantastic. He, he's, I've it, he's a I've video it, guy, so he's not that used picture, to reading. i brought it, it with me. I kept searching for it
0: on YouTube, couldn't find it anywhere, but uh, <laughs> I've got it now, so there you go. Yeah. Got a little uh,
3: little bookmark in there as well. Yeah, right near the front, four pages what? in.
0: Well, it is a, a tough read, anyone who's listening.
2: He <laughs> 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 said he Cut at least that, had to please. start it. <laughs>
1: You were going. Uh, you were saying earlier, there's no page numbers. So you can just float back and forth. with that just to set up how and
0: I said it as if as if it was a problem? I, I don't know where to go next.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a choose your own adventure. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: No, I'm really enjoying it. Really, really enjoying it. Uh, I didn't know what to expect, but I like that right away. You're like, listen, this is what this is what's happening. Because yeah. if you're going to buy, if you're buying copywriting books straight away, you might think you're going to learn some tips or something yes. like that. You still impart wisdom on people. Because through your thoughts... Provokes a lot yeah, exactly. of thoughts and things around but, the copywriting. Uh, but yeah, yeah. no, in, enjoying it so far, it's good.
3: Well, I think there were, there were so many sort of books out there and, and ones that have arrived since that do that job, that teach you how to yeah. be a really, really good copywriter. Like you the Dan Nelken Mel- book, yeah. Yeah. Self-Help Guide for Copywriters. If you wanted to learn, you sort of step by step, how to be a brilliant copywriter, that book's fantastic. Yeah, Uh, And I didn't want to do that, and I don't think I could have done that. I was far too lazy and and sort of unstructured to write something like that. So it was always going to be just pouring thoughts out of my head, really, and hoping some people would read them. When when, when
1: you try and, uh, you know, educate someone on how to be a better copywriter or how to write better copy, what's your sort of approach for it? Is it about teaching them like the principles so they can find it because every, everything like every service product and, and we'll aim a lot of this talk mm-hmm. at businesses and SMEs. Yeah, cool. every service and product is unique right so you can't yeah. really teach the correct answer yeah. to it to a you know a group of 30 for example yeah
3: I think it's um you know my my sort of teaching process I was never a teacher I got into it completely accidentally so I'm not teacher trained or anything like that yeah so I, I worry sometimes that my teaching process is I'm just telling you how I do it. Yeah. And how I do it might not be the right thing. It might be completely wrong for the people. Um, but I, I sort of tell you how I do it. But I think when I was working with the copywriting students at, at Lincoln Uni, I think one of the biggest things we tried to do is it should be fun. You know, it should be fun for you to do and it should be entertaining for somebody to read. yeah You know, if that's the sort of starting point for your process and that's the end point for what the output is, that's a useful guide. Now, I'm not giving, you know, too much detail about how you arrive at each of those things, yeah. but that's a useful check-in to go. Um, you know, am I having fun doing this? Does this feel like creative? Does this feel like I'm not, you know, necessarily adhering to sort of the rules and the templates of what I think is right? Yeah. But I am just enjoying it, and, and you know, the ideas are flowing and all of those things. And you get to the end of it, and it doesn't feel like the, sh- the ads that you would happily skip past or ignore or not even notice. It yeah. feels like something surprising yeah. you know, yeah. in a
1: way do you do you find that comes naturally as part of your process to step back because when you're trying to craft you know the perfect line or paragraph you might spend days on it do you find part of the process natural to step back and then ask yourself those basic principles of is it fun have, have I yeah. actually got there?
3: Yeah, I'm. I've. I, I think it's just pure experience that I'm now at a point where I'll know very quickly whether I'm having fun, and I'll know very quickly if you know the thing I'm halfway through writing is going to be interesting or entertaining or surprising or, or effective in any way. Yeah. And so I, I do abandon a lot of stuff because I know it's going nowhere. But I, I've learned by up a lot of briefs, that, that that's what that feels like. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when you're just starting out, it's really hard because you're pouring your heart and soul into doing this stuff. Uh, and, you know, you start to look at the time that's spent into it and the energy and you stop thinking about, is this good, is this worthwhile? Yeah. You just get to the end and you go, here are my sort of two pages of script. That must be good because I've put the time into creating those two pages yeah, of script. Yeah. So learning to be really sort of harsh on yourself and brutal and, and, and be very sort of, you know honest and direct about whether the thing you're doing is good and effective or yeah. not uh, is a thing that's very, very difficult for any creative to learn. And I think for a lot of creatives, it, it, it is a, a difficult part of that process all the way through your career, no matter how experienced you are. I,
1: I think any creatives listening, that's part of the, you know, mind F is that sometimes you get those divine inspiration moments where it comes so easily. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes it's just, you know a process that's uh, not fun to be in the midst
3: of. I I think, you know, certainly with the the younger writers I've worked with, they're too, we are too mistrustful of those, you know, those revelation moments where you get it, you know, you write your first line and you've been working on this brief for 30 seconds and you've cracked it and you've nailed it. And I think the instinct is that you're you're sort of taught that this takes a lot of work and a lot of time and a lot of endeavour yeah. So you can't possibly believe in a line, the first line you've written. Yeah. But, you know, as you get older and you do it more, you start to think that, well, I, I'm not in control of this. This isn't because anyone's like a copy genius. Yeah. Just every now and again, the universe will align and the it. first thing you, you write will be the, the perfect yeah. thing. Yeah. And if that happens, brilliant. You know, yeah. don't tell anyone you've done it. You've got another yeah. eight hours yeah. where you can just sit and do nothing. Yeah. But, you know, uh, you, you, can, you can get this thing right in an instant. Yeah. equally you could work on it for five days and you'd still have nothing really of, of kind of any value that's sort of the chaos yeah i suppose of copyright
1: I, I guess even when you've landed on it and if we've done it with a particular <clears throat> marketing brief or video brief or idea you sort of still need to do the you, you know the mathematical proof yeah and, and look at the alternatives and go actually no this this was the right one. Yeah.
3: And I think it's, you know, that old sort of, if you write, if you need to write a headline, you write 100 headlines. Yeah. It's a yeah. sort of Hey Whipple um, uh, lesson, you know, instruction. So if you write a headline number one and it's fantastic, yeah. we stick that pot on the wall and you go, okay, brilliant. I know that's in the bag. Yeah. I've banked yeah, 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 that yeah. in sort of game show parlance. Yeah. Now I go and do the other 99 just to double check that really is as good as I, I think it is. Yeah. yeah? And,
1: and you're right in saying don't tell anyone if it does come quick because, uh, Drew, your favorite singer Sam Smith did uh, a Bond theme, and he said it took him like eight minutes to write. And then the critical response was, uh, "Maybe should have spent a bit longer." Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Never tell people that things happen quickly. <laughs> yeah. Well, you mentioned
1: yeah. you mentioned teaching. What else yeah. are you up to? What What fills a copywriter's day?
3: So I, uh, I left sort of teaching in April last year. Uh, worked at a fantastic advertising course, creative advertising course at the Uni of Lincoln. Yeah. Um, I'm slightly biased, but I think it's the best. The best one around is producing some incredible creatives yeah. who are going out into the industry in London, in Manchester, all over the country.
1: You would show some of the, you know, the assignments and the yeah. end results and stuff. And uh, yeah, yeah, they, yeah they, they, you know, work.
3: It, it produces some really incredible creatives who will then go on and, you know, play a really major role in in what the industry sort of looks like from here. But then I, I sort of moved, I, I left the teaching because I, I loved I loved the people I worked with. I loved my mates who, who sort of teach on the programme and still do. I loved working with the students, but working at university, there's a lot of stuff that isn't creative and it isn't teaching and it's you know, it's it's stuff that I'm not good at and I don't enjoy and it just felt like the right time to step away. So then I moved on to a company called Ampliance, who are a sort of software tech company based down in London, and I became their head of copy. Cool. And I was been doing that now for I don't know, six or seven months or so. Again, working with an incredible team. And I think uh it's it's i've got to that sort of stage of my life now where you start to recognize that it's the people you work with and the fun you have sort of doing these these kind of creative projects together. Yeah. That's the most sort of important thing in a job, yeah. really. That should be the the sort of the only real criteria that matters.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I need to find those people. That'd be great. <laughs> is, uh, <laughs> uh, is the work there, is that for their products? or? It... Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So
3: it's but basically, But I, I started out in copywriting an internal agency at yeah. Egg, the credit card company. Oh, so okay, now yeah. it's now sadly gone. Um, at
1: Pride Park? Not Pride, Pride Park, Park yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 Egg cool.
3: days. I think everyone in Derby worked there at some point. Or I knew know someone who worked yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I worked there and it was brilliant. It's still the best job I've ever had because yeah. I, was, I was fresh into it. It was my first sort of proper copywriting gig. We were in this internal agency. All my mates were there. It was brilliant. Yeah. And I, I, left, I left for really stupid reasons. I was like, oh, I need to go and sort of try something new. And I shouldn't have done. I should have just stayed forever until it closed. Yeah. Like my wife did. She stayed until it, it shut down. Yeah. Uh, and so I, where I am now is back in internal agency land and I have to say I really like it I, I feel like because you get to know that brand really well inside and out and you yeah. get to you know you genuinely feel a bit of an affection for it Yeah. and I think that does make a difference rather than being sort of a gun for hire Yeah. where you say I'll come and work on anyone's brand and, and you know I'll pretend to like it for a week and then I'll yeah, sack yeah, it off yeah. and move on to the next thing it's quite nice to feel like you've got some some control in shaping it, but also some, you know, some investment in how it performs.
1: Um, so th- it seems to be like they're quite, I guess they're on the upper end of uh, when I had a look at them, it was like the SME sort of yeah. businesses, yeah, I'd yeah. say. So they're really, you know, they've got you on board. So they're investing in good copywriting. Yes. And I have seen, and I don't know if it's just, if it's just my, not Echo Chamber, but the people I have on on social media, I have seen sort of a resurgence for the importance of good copywriting and especially the human touch. Yes. Is that something you feel like in the the world that's out there now?
3: Yeah, I I think sort of the AI question is obviously, you know, it's occupying a lot of copywriters' thoughts, like completely understandably. And, and, you know, just having spoken to some of the writers I know, I spoke to a lot of copywriters at FixFest, yeah. Which copy, you know, fantastic copywriting conference in September. And it's completely mixed. There's a full spectrum on it. There, there are writers there, very, very good writers, who are using AI. Yeah. Not to write for them, not to do that bit for them, but they're using it in all sorts of other ways. And sort of, you know, it can be a tool for research or um, a tool for, you know, some people are using it for c- compliance if you're writing in a sort of a particular kind of sector. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, but it's it's one of those things like the toothpaste is out the tube. Like, yeah. it, there's no point in in sort of railing against it or fearing it even because yeah. it's here. Uh, and I, I do remember sort of Tom Kemeny, a fantastic writer, who wrote uh, a brilliant book, one of my favourite copywriting books, called Junior. Right, lovely blue book. Get that. Um, and he he did this tweet, and I can't remember the actual wording, but he listed out all these things that were supposed to have been sort of invented to take his job. Yeah, going back oh, okay. into yeah, sort yeah. of you know the late right. '90s, all yeah. of these new innovations in, in sort of creative marketing that are supposed to put us out of a job yeah. but none of them ever did no. you know pe- people adapt you find a way to use it yeah I think a lot of uh, brands who are using AI to sort of generate their content already we' well, probably not the brands who were ever hiring copywriters in the first place yeah. you yeah. know there was such a culture of we've got a marketing exec or a social media exec they're gonna write our stuff for us yeah, yeah. so you know um, I I might be being sort of really naive about it but if you are a, a creative copywriter if you can sort of express things in a completely Original and effective and warm and persuasive way. Yeah, this industry is always going to have a place for you. Yeah, um, and that value isn't going to decrease. It's probably going to go the opposite way. Yeah, at least on some level. Yeah. yeah, I think
0: part of like this uh, need for like a human touch and all this stuff is to do with the sag after stu- sag aft after stuff as well, yeah. right? Because I think it's still still in stalemate, aren't they? I think the last thing was yeah, last yeah. week. Yeah, still in stalemate. And that's all about AI replacing writers, but also extras yeah yeah all sorts of all sorts of people, so yeah. I think that that's had a massive like you know cultural uh impact on the yeah. writing world out there so that's that's got to be part of why people are suddenly not suddenly but people are now kind of more vocally uh insistent that people use human copywriters yeah. as opposed to or chatgpt or something.
3: Yeah, yeah. I think it's, you know, any any sort of new big new sort of technology, yeah. it, it it sends people running to yeah. to opposite corners, doesn't it? Yeah, In a yeah. way. And there's nothing wrong with sort of standing in the middle of that room and going, you know, I can I can recognize the fears of it, I can recognize the opportunities of it. Having said that, if I was an actor, Uh, And you were sort of being threatened by the studios that we're going to sort of we'll copy your deep thinking from now on. And yeah, yeah, for the next two hundred years, we'll be sort of pushing out sort of Tom Hanks movies. Yeah, uh, with the sort of you know digital Tom Hanks. Yeah, that's frightening. You know, there's a lot of authors who are now, you know, putting together legal challenges to things like ChatGPT to say I don't want you to learn from my book. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And again, you can sort of understand the. The, the sort of the logic and sort of the emotional argument behind that. Yeah. So I, I think it's one of those things where it's out, it exists, and everyone is is kind yeah. of figuring out what it's going to be. Yeah. We, we're sort of not really going to know. Yeah.
2: I think it was also, it, it came out and everyone was so excited by it. Yes. And also it was the unknown. And I yeah, yeah. was like, oh, it can write a copy for me. So everyone started using it. Yeah, yeah. And then LinkedIn and every other platform and every yeah. blog sounded the same, every website sounded the same. And I think we are getting to the point where businesses are realising I can't be using this for everything. Yeah. Yes, it's a useful tool, but I need to know when to use it. Absolutely. And then the businesses that haven't reached that point yet, yeah. they aren't standing out as much. They aren't making the impact that they should be with yeah. their copy.
3: I think if you're, you know, I, I agree completely with that. If you're using AI simply because AI exists. Yeah. I'm going to do everything for it. I'm going to get it to sign my grandma's birthday card Yeah. for me. <laughs> you know, it's... Yeah. um. That seems crazy. There's you know, there's no technology that should arrive where you suddenly go, the technology does everything now. Yeah. I don't need to do any of that. I don't even need to supervise it. Yeah. You know, I'm just going to press the button. If you do that, then you do deserve to have your your job and your business and your industry overtaken by machines. I think a lot of the smart places are going, there's a role for this somewhere. You yeah. know, I've got a yeah. you know, in-house, say I've got a creative team full of incredible creatives who I've hired for a very specific reason. And they are they are drowning in Manual tasks—they're yeah. drowning in sort of the repetitive yeah, stuff. Yeah. How do I get that team back to, uh, you know, focusing on creative stuff? What yeah. you know, how can I sort of take some of this this burden away from them so they're doing what they're really good at and what I've hired them yeah. to do in the first place? Yeah. If that's the way you you sort of see it, then I don't know. Maybe you know, maybe that's all right. Yeah, <laughs> you know, maybe yeah. that's a sensible yeah. choice, and maybe that's a pro-creative choice. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, the,
1: the experimentation angle is something. We've used on Google. It's been there for ages. Yeah, Yeah. responsive ads. You know, you don't have to create 50 ads based on 10 headlines with different combinations. Google will do it. Their Mm. AI will learn who's responding to the best combination and put it out there. Absolutely.
2: Then there's the bad side of that AI when Google tries to write copy for you and create imagery. And uh, oh, some people yeah. are using it and uh, the ads are crazy. Yeah,
3: <laughs> I think it's that, it's that an element of human judgment, isn't yeah. it? And you can see the worst stuff you see out there is it has been generated and posted. Yeah, And there has been no stage in between where anyone's looked at it and gone, OK, we can refine this or yeah. we're going to, you know, we're going to sense check this that it's not. Some of like some of the images people are, are sort of spitting out on on LinkedIn are, I mean, they're horrifying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it, it is capable of doing good stuff. Yeah, but I think yeah. it needs that that creative human control and yeah. sort of input, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah.
1: I, th- I I think when things become derivative, that's the biggest sort of yeah, sin with, with, within copy and tone of voice, and it's why I think it's uh, what's Mish Slade's book that we like. Can I may I have your attention? attention, Um, She writes that uh, it's why loads of websites just sound the same within an industry because they just look at what the competitors are doing, just rewrite those words.
3: Yeah, they 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 sound the same, and a lot of them look the same. Yeah, you know, there's there's sort of the classic template in any industry, and if you lined up ten competitors and you went through their certainly their homepages, yeah, you'd kind of find the same hierarchy, the same positioning of images, you know.
1: We we have a client who's bought like bought three different uh, websites to us, and he's like, just copy this person.
3: Yeah, yeah. I was like, no. <laughs> we, we
1: we it, like it, it is a, a good client, but it's it's that sort of unnecessary like two weeks of negotiating and challenging yeah. And, yeah. and pushing back on it.
3: Well, I you know I, I'm old enough to be in, in the era where every client came to the agency I was working at the time and said we want to sound like innocent. Yeah. So yeah. Like, well, you know, you make spark plugs. No. <laughs> so yeah. maybe maybe don't sound like yeah. Maybe sound like an entertaining and interesting and knowledgeable company who makes spark plugs. Now, exactly. Yeah. Say go. Now it's Oatly, Oatly Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah we want to be so edgy like Oakley. Yeah. So I think I think this isn't new. This isn't sort of a, a, an AI issue or a new tech issue at all. It's uh, um, somebody innovates. Yeah. Everyone goes, that's cool. Can we do that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then you get into the cycle until somebody else innovates. Yeah. yeah.
1: And th- that's how I see when everyone says AI will get better at this. That's what I see. I, f- I see it like cards flicking down. Whereas someone will post something that will catch fire. Yeah. And then AI will learn that. And then everyone's post will be like that until it's not. And then until there's yes. something different. And then it will just happen again and flow I- through.
3: I think it's one of those things where we you all get that moment where you see an ad or a campaign. Especially if you do what we do, if you sort of work in our world. Yeah. And you look at it and you go, "Ah, oh, I wish I'd done that. Because it's, it's almost simple enough that you yeah. could have thought of it, but it's so surprising and it's so impactful.
1: A little touch of genius. Yeah.
3: And I, I, I'm probably going to quote this completely wrong, but there was a poster I saw for RuPaul's Drag Race. Right. Uh, and it was a picture of the founding fathers. Yeah. And it was like, America was a country founded by men in wigs and tights. Wigs, yeah, heels and tights. yeah, yeah, nice. And it was all, and I just thought, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's it's that stuff. You know, that's the one in 10,000, you know, campaign you see at the moment. Yeah. There's so much work being put out there. Yeah. And the standards of it is, you know, a lot of it, you don't even notice. But when you notice that thing and you go, somebody, a creative brain, yeah. has pieced together these sort of two different things and brought them and sort of formed this new connection that no one else has formed before. Yeah. That's, that's the kind of the heart of the stuff that works, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And, and then you think you've come up with a really good idea
0: and then somebody else posts something about it where it turns out it wasn't your idea at all. I thought I came up with uh niche and then you posted <laughs> it the other day. I was... Uh, Genuinely. I was, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah.
3: I sent it Rob straight and I was like, what's this all about? Uninviting from a pod. Quiche niche. Quiche niche. I invented that. Before <laughs> I, me, no one had ever noticed that those two words rhyme. We, we, I, I didn't
0: think anyone had. No, no, I thought I was the first. Uh, yeah, it was in a pod where I said if you, if, when you create your niche, it's a bit like quiche because not everyone likes quiche. And yeah. no, no one should really, not everyone niche, should quiche. like your niche. And then two
3: weeks later you post it Andrew well, what's I've, happening I've copyrighted it now so you <laughs> can't even use this bit in the pod is that yeah. is that the copywriting we're talking about yeah that's absolutely that <laughs> that's okay. what, my, my, what my granddad thought I did okay it's nice. do you, do you, so do you like patent inventions I was like no granddad.
1: No, no. <laughs> <laughs> for, for, for listeners and watchers there obviously everything Drew said was just bleeped out for legal reasons <laughs> but, uh, and I it pixelated little... as well <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: You post a lot on LinkedIn like examples of copywriting. Love seeing all of these examples. I like the supermarket. Yeah, uh, and symbols. I love seeing the ones where you wouldn't necessarily see or expect to see great yes. copywriting and it's those that are those touches of genius. Yeah. And it is that thing of saving them in like a bank of good copy. Yeah but looking at them from a way of why is it good copy yeah. and what can you take from it rather than things becoming derivative because yeah. you're just copying that. Yeah. never want to copy someone's copy, but it's just kind of what can you then take from that and why does it have that touch of genius? Yeah,
3: absolutely. And I think there's sort of two stages to finding this stuff. It's that initial reaction. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's cool. You know, we see our, your brain filters out so much stuff that is just, you know, generic or, or over-familiar or isn't really saying anything meaningful. So if you get through that filter and you spot something, like, yeah. my reaction to this is, it's caught my attention. I'm interested. It's made me smile. Whatever it might be. Yeah. And then I suppose you do have to kind of go away and think about the why. Yes. You know, if, if you work in our, our world, because you want to be able, to, like you say, you want to be able to not steal the copy, but almost kind of steal the the understanding of, of yeah. why this thing is good.
2: Or the emotion it inflicts. on reading it.
3: Yeah, and I think the best place to look sometimes is those those kind of unexpected places. There's a handful of brands who take copies so seriously in a, in a very light-hearted way, and they yeah. will find any opportunity to, you know, any surface they've got in any of their brand sort of, yeah. you know, furniture or, or architecture or whatever you call it, uh, they will find an opportunity to put a nice line on there. Nando's yeah. do it fantastically. You'll always see, like, a really sort of amusing line written on there. That on their napkins and yeah. the little sign like the no smoking sign at Nando's yeah. says the only thing that should be smoking around here is our chicken <laughs> you know that kind yeah. of thing nice. um, so I, I think it's always you know we can look at the, the big billboards where there's obviously been a huge media spend as well as a huge creative spend right. but if you start to look in those some more unexpected places yeah. pick up a you know an interesting looking packaging in a supermarket and turn it around and see if yeah. there's anything on there there was like Higgledy Pies I found some nice copy on there and The Oatly you mm. know the Co- Oatly cartons. There's always something yeah. really, really interesting, in, even
1: in their like terms and conditions, or the lead into yeah. ingredients, or something like that. Yeah.
3: yeah, I did a brief the other day for, or admittedly for for a mate, uh, and it was just to write his cookies section. <laughs> yeah, because he's like the cookie sections all <laughs> yeah. say the same thing, and we do something stupid with ours. Yeah. So I don't know if it's compliant. That's why I'm not going to name <laughs> it. Uh, but we did something silly with it. So yeah. I think there's always sort of an opportunity, and you know the default reaction is. Well, it's no one's going to see it, so why do we need to put any energy into yeah. it? But it's a slippery slope.
1: Yeah, I, I think the bigger picture of that is those details matter. Yeah, hundred percent. And and in terms of building sort of customer trust, brand trust, customer advocacy, yeah, it's it's those things that can be the difference. Yeah, hundred percent.
0: One of my favorite uh, subreddits is IRL Easter eggs. Right. So it's full of stuff like that, where it's little like copywriting nice. Easter eggs or little Easter eggs in real life. Yeah, yeah. So. It could be, you know, a label on a pair of jeans or a T-shirt or something that says like "Do not wash, do not tumble dry, do not live your life with regrets." And it goes on yeah, with all yeah, these yeah. different "do not" stuff like that. It's all these little Easter eggs you find. You should take a look if you want. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll track that down. If bits and bits, what pops. was it? IRL IRL Easter eggs. Was it the, um, the
3: Patagonia uh, they did? Uh, oh, Patagonia have a couple on there, yeah. And there's a label. I think the label says, like, vote the <laughs> bastards out. Yeah yeah yeah, that's <laughs> it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is probably less subtle as an Easter egg. But yeah.
1: yeah, sometimes you just got to hammer people yeah, out of the hand, haven't you? Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, like, loads of, like,
0: really, really great copy in there. And I think that is, you know, that really speaks to the idea of just because it's something that people may never even notice yeah, doesn't completely. mean you can't put some great copywriting yeah. in there. Yeah.
3: Do you know what? Even if you're just doing it for your own amusement, yeah. for your own satisfaction, yeah, yeah. I think you know copywriters they have a reputation for always saying can we add more copy you know can we put some copy on it and it is it is true and it is kind of fair Um, but a lot a lot of the time it's the copywriters who see those unloved spaces yeah and go you know we could put something nice here we could put a line here and to your point it's you know it's not an indulgence it's yeah. A little, you know, one more little nudge in, yeah. into getting yeah. people to sort of favour your brand.
2: It's being remembered as well. Yeah. Like you buy a pair of jeans and it has a label that you spot six months after owning it. Yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, that's How cool. Are you washing like, it? <laughs> I don't check the label every time I wash something. <laughs> Just chuck it all in.
3: Chuck <laughs> it in. 30 <laughs> on.
1: It, it, it's not often. There's a reason there's a big gap between me
3: and me. <laughs> <laughs> <It's
2: the> <laughs> <struggle>. <laughs> Chuck all the colours in, all the whites in, they'll be right.
3: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you on that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you, you see it, sorry, six days after yes. buying it. Yeah, yeah. And... Um, and then next time you're like, oh, what about another label? Like, yeah, yeah. does this label have the same thing? Yeah, like, yeah. you you look at the social posts, then it's it's having the brand reputation and the tone of voice everywhere, yeah. rather than like you say, just the the visible areas yeah, like social yeah. media or the website.
3: I think people have got i I I've never really bought into this idea that we have affection. Like real affection for brands, I, yeah. I think there are brands that you you sort of prefer, and there there are brands you discard. But I don't think you ever feel like a true emotion necessarily. I think there yeah. are probably exceptions, um, but you look around and you see brands who are making an effort to entertain you, yeah, or, or inform you, or yeah. just basically kind of kind of give you something. The product has to be good, but also they're giving you this kind of extra reason to, yeah, you know, to choose them. Yeah. And there's that that sort of famous picture, isn't there, about you know talking about choice fatigue or choice paralysis yeah. of someone standing in front of just the wall of you know fizzy drinks in yeah. a supermarket, and there were like two thousand to choose from, and it can't just be how we sort of colourful your logo is or how interestingly no. shaped your bottle is. It's the words, you know. Yeah. 99% of the, the decisions we make in terms of the things we like and the things we want to do and the people we like and the people we want to spend time with are all based on words and language and, and sort of how yeah. people communicate and how we receive that communication. Yeah, it's
0: like, well, we look at films. You, I, when I used to work at a cinema, we used to have a folder full of t- the different synopsis for, di- for each film. Yes. And you could have a bunch of films which are really, really good, but whoever's written the synopsis, it's just... So no one wants to watch those films. Then you've yeah. got, you know... I don't know, Norbit or something like that. Brilliant synopsis. Classic. yeah. And you're like, oh, I've got to watch Norbit. Instead, you've, you know, you've instead of, I can't think of a film that came out around the same time, but.
1: Joe, this is like the twelfth time in a row you've bought Norbit. <laughs> like, We're not being off. sponsored <laughs> by yeah. I, I just gender.
0: <laughs> I did such a great job writing the synopsis, okay? It was full of lies.
1: And <laughs> no, if it's Norbit, check it out.
0: And uh, I, I yeah, saw a post of yours the other day where it was talking about uh, log lines for films. Yes. So that's another, it's a great, you know, I, I love going on IMDB exactly the same as you and yeah. looking at the looking at the log lines. We've written a couple of uh we've written quite a few scripts and we've written a couple of spec feature film scripts and in yep. that you have to write log lines and stuff for log, it. log
1: lines that have been read by Jean-Claude Van Damme. They've been read They've by They've been pitched. To
0: Steven nice, <laughs> All of the greats. Uh, and obviously you guys obviously listen as well, so thanks for thanks for still listening, guys. Um Yeah, but you know, it's it's a it's another thing where it's like Vanilla Twitter, you've got a limited amount of characters, and you've got to write yeah, this yeah. perfect thing for it. Yeah. And ha- how yeah. are you going to craft this perfect piece of copy in this tiny, tiny bit? And I think your post was talking about how it reveals nothing. There's yeah, no, yeah. there's no plot points, but it's pure intrigue. Yeah, yeah. It's selling, selling a bit of maybe giving a couple of like genre clues or something like that. But it's it's pure, pure intrigue and yeah. inviting you and trying to make some sales. Yeah,
3: I, I think sort of old, uh, sort of B movie, semi B movie, horror movies. Are, are sort of it's the gold mine of stuff like that so yeah. the strap lines on the um you know on the film posters uh, and again is you completely sacrifice information i'm not going to tell you anything i'm going to yeah. kind of give you a horrible word but i'm going to give you the vibe of this thing yeah. i'm going to give you sort of the feel of it and you know in those those things by themselves can be purely entertaining yeah so predator 2 is one of the examples i would always get which is a great film by the way better than norbit yeah um
1: Danny Glover's finest.
3: Danny Glover's finest. A really manic Danny Glover. Yeah. We'll talk about that later. Also planted the Easter
1: egg of uh, the Alien vs Predator. So he didn't do everything right.
3: <laughs> no, that's true. That was a sad day for me in the cinema. Alien yeah. vs Predator. But the line for that is, uh, he's in town with a few days to kill. And it's like, wow, yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's, that's really great. nice. That's just a fantastic gag. Yeah.
0: yeah. Just to interrupt it, I, I don't like Norbit. Just want to get <laughs> that out there to be really, really clear. It's a
3: great synopsis. Though. I've
0: never even seen it. I've never even seen it's it. It's an orbit okay. Eddie,
1: Eddie Murphy where there's lots Eddie of Eddie, Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a sort of not not a Professor spin-off, but yes. it's that vibe. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I remember a slide on the trailer. He goes down a slide, but they're big people. That's what I remember. Okay, like okay. a water slide thing. Nice. Um, yeah, and Alien uh, in space, no one can hear you scream. Yeah, like it just sets yeah, yeah. the the tone, doesn't it? You don't know. I mean, yeah, yeah. the title is Alien, so you know it's about an alien. But you don't really know the plot or anything yeah. like that. It's yeah,
3: just well, there vibe. There's, I posted about it the other day. It's a fantastic book about pitching film, pitching ideas for for sort of films and, and sort of TV series. And yeah. it's called Jaws in Space, which was the the sort yeah, of the yeah. way they sort of pitched the concept of Alien. we are going to make this movie, it's Jaws in Space. There's a real,
1: like, when everything was a high concept thing, it yeah, was yeah, this in this or yeah, whatever, yeah. yeah.
3: And I, I think you could quickly run out of steam with that that formula. Yeah, There's only yeah. so many things that make sense to kind of combine. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's like Norbit in a submarine. Yeah, again,
0: Wouldn't no, be no idea because not not seen Norbit, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe <laughs> something to do with a slide. I think Rob was saying yeah, Rob's yeah. seen it a few times. You know, it's only
2: your top played Netflix.
0: <laughs> we we had to write one, or we had to write. One, we, we wrote one where it was uh, Die Hard and Die Hard at a wedding. Yeah. So that was that was what I think you might have come up with. Yeah. And really good my, though, mine was mine was dead shit. It was a first idea you spoke earlier about first ideas. You know, not necessarily the jackpot, but it was uh, RSVP die. Nice. <laughs> it's Just <laughs> dead shit. And I said it, and it was like dead early in the morning. When we were having like this crazy, erratic meeting, and I was like, I think it's genius. I think it's genius. Pure sleep deprived delusional dream. Yeah, he was a
1: batshit yeah. producer. Would be like, it's four in the morning. We need to meet. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I he, he he's uh UK based but he was like I'm on LA time. I'm on LA time now. So it's 4 a.m. me.
0: And I just remember Rob like, yeah, it's it's not a good idea man just shooting it down immediately. I was like, yeah, we'll maybe come back to it We'll maybe come back to it. Maybe we'll,
1: <laughs> maybe we'll just have a, a like, little nap, a nap and a coffee and we'll come back to it.
0: But like I I've got notes on my phone where it's just full of like dead shit ideas yeah. en- for everything and everything. I'll come up with like, oh, I've got an idea for a, its name for a recipe book. The other day I came up with a, a, a a podcast uh, title called uh, midwife crisis if you're a midwife out there and you want a podcast named midwife crisis fantastic um just write that down Got bank that if i ever become a midwife <laughs> i've
3: got a podcast title in the back <laughs> i think it's 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 reassuring and horrifying to kind of go back for your notes yeah on your phone sometimes because yeah, that is yeah. that sees everything
1: yeah maybe, we, maybe that's a to bring us a little back on
3: track yeah may, sorry may, we, maybe we,
1: that's a, a tip people can take away is uh Try and give yourself some breathing room on on your copy and return to it.
3: Yeah, and and I think a lot of sort of copywriters, again, especially sort of, you know, thinking about the students heading out into industry, depending on the agency you end up to, you you kind of get pressured into um, this kind of cult of productivity. And it's like, I've got to see you at your desk. I've got to see sort of that much, you know, thickness of paper handed into me by the end of the day. That's not your job. Yeah. your job is ideas it's your job is to kind of think in your brain about what the best and most imaginative and effective solution for whatever the brief is yeah and, and your return on that you know even after a day two days whatever it might be yeah. doesn't have to be just a loader of bulk it yeah. can just be one perfectly formed and well-reasoned sort of idea yeah so i i think there's a lot of writers who should be saying i need some time just to reflect on this thing i've done and put it away and come back and look at it and go is this you know is this good yeah Uh, and they don't feel like they can ask for it or sometimes they ask for it and aren't given it because it's like no no clients waiting. we've got another sort of 10 briefs you know lined up for you to do you don't have the time to reflect and i think it's hard as a young writer coming into the industry to go i'm going to insist on this but the the advice i gave to students is you're going to have to fight your creative corner because there's a lot of people who are going to want to Sausage factory, this process, yeah. and just get you churning stuff out, and you yeah. need to resist that, and you need to remove yourself from that process as much as possible without getting fired. Yeah, basically. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah the, the, some of the best writers, they just allow themselves time, don't they? It's uh, I think it was just this week I saw a Neil Gaiman interview, and he was saying he goes to his office in the bottom of his garden. He's he's not allowed to do anything but he can do every he's not allowed to do everything but he can do anything so Mm -hmm. he can sit and stare he can Mm -hmm. watch the world he can't go on his phone yes he can't browse the internet like he can write if the moment takes him but but he just needs to allow himself that thinking and it can be he can just be distracted
0: i think he was i think i think it was when he wrote Coraline, which i think was his first book wasn't it or it was his his breakthrough right yeah i think i don't know if it was five or fifty but at a time he would only write like He'd have like half an hour and he'd write five or 50 words at a time. That's what he did. That was his, he didn't have, you know, days where he could write lavishly or days where he wanted to write lavishly. He just wrote a couple of words at a time. And then over a period built up this book that launched him.
1: Taika Waititi, he says sometimes writing is opening final draft, staring at it for eight hours, closing it. And that's writing. Yeah, <laughs> that, that that's a day of writing.
0: Yeah,
3: well, I think it's you know, I, I suppose, copywriting, We we don't have the same flexibility luxury, or the same sort of, of creative license yeah. in a way, but you 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 should be trying to mirror those things at least yeah. to some extent. And I've, I, you know, I, I write about it in the book. Doing nothing is is a productive writing activity. It's a productive yeah. creative activity. Going for a walk. Where you don't have your phone and you don't have a pen or a pencil or anything at all, yeah. just sort of stepping away and, and sort of allowing your brain to uh, to step away from the thing it's supposed to be doing and yeah. just letting it go where yeah. it wants to go. Yeah. And whether you can sort of engage that through through going for a walk or a swim or lying on your back or whatever yeah. it might yeah, be, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, getting your brain into that state where it's just drifting. That's often the time when you're going to come up with the answer anyway. Yeah. yeah. Or, or come up with a really sort of you know. An interesting beginning point that that focused you can then go and take away and sort of run with. Yeah. So I'm I'm all for that. I, I it, it's stupid to think that a copywriter must always be sat at their desk writing because yeah. that is such a small part of what you're hiring them to do. Yeah. yeah.
2: I think any or well, most people can convince themselves copy is good if you're writing it that day and you're delivering it that yeah, yeah. day because you're only consuming what you're writing, you're reading it over and over and over again. Whereas if you step away, like you say, go for a walk or a swim or whatever and come back to it 24 hours later, you can obviously enhance that copy so much. But most probably managers think, write the copy, deliver the copy, write the copy, deliver the copy.
1: A a little hack we put in place is just give yourself an internal deadline before the actual deadline. So you've got some, some review period. But the other thing is, when you've been working on it, you need that time away because you might improve it. But if what you 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 might end up comparing it back to what you originally wrote, and comparison to bad doesn't mean good. Yeah, yeah. it just means it's a little better, right?
3: I think a lot of the time that that feeling you have, where you you've kind of finished. A relatively long period of writing, and you look at it and you feel like it's really good and you feel like you've nailed it, that's probably more down to relief at finishing yeah, <laughs> and it is you 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 know your brain will willfully allow you to misread those emotions because yeah. it wants you to sort of stop and pat yourself on the back, but you know stop, put it away yeah don't even try and assess it I think there's there's such two different processes you need to put a significant space between them. You yeah. get out of the writing and the creating ma- mindset and you get into the critiquing and reflection sort of mindset,
0: yeah. Um, so another thing you write about as well, so with, with the idea of like when you're writing something on the day and you're consuming that thing, so you're then regurgitating that thing, you write about collaboration. Mm. And I think that's the thing that's often overlooked as well because people people often think about writers, copywriters, as uh, working in silo. And we we have it where we'll, I'll write an idea or you'll write an idea and they're not good ideas because <laughs> we know you've got to get a load of bad ideas like that before you get good ideas. Yeah. But it's only really when you've got that element of collaboration where you can then... Yeah. You know, refine it, or someone will say something where they, they don't even say the thing that solves for but solves the idea yeah. directly, but they say something indirectly where yes. you're like, "Oh, there's something here." Actually, yeah, it's yeah. that classic thing in a film where somebody is they're trying to kill the alien race that's invading, and someone spills some salt, and they go,
1: "Ah, oh, yeah, salt, salt, might we <laughs> <Yeah>. If we <laughs> assault
0: them, if we assault them, then yeah, we, ought, yeah, we might want yeah, to yeah. kill them." It's you, kind you, of like little... you
1: see it a lot in uh, like musical biographies where it's like, uh, I don't know. Uh, you walk in straight out of Compton. Someone farts, and you're like, "Wait, play that beat again." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, "That's it. That's the hit." And they go, "But what? What advice can you give to someone who maybe they are the only copywriter yes. in their company, or they're the responsibility of it?" What can they do to break out? It's, it's a really hard
3: down. position to be in. I think sort of the upside to that is copyright. There's a really fantastic copywriting community. I yeah. think you go on sort of LinkedIn or Twitter, or wherever you, there's a lot of copywriters, Unites uh, events that are kind of coordinated by uh, Vicky Ross. Um, things like The Fix, so Glenn Fisher and Nick O'Connor run this fantastic community of writers. Uh, there's freelancer magazines from Sophie Cross. Again, it is sort of forming these, these kind of communities. So even if you are a solo writer and yeah. quite often perhaps working at home rather than, yeah. uh, than in an office space, you've still got access to these kind of other people, this support yeah. network. So there's a lot of people in the industry who are very, very sort of selfless, selflessly you know, created a space, created a sort of network and a process where yeah. you don't have to feel on your own. Um, I think the the best thing you can do is is find that person. And it might not even be another writer. It might yeah. be a creative from a different discipline who you can just have this very sort of honest and enjoyable dialogue with. Yeah, And I think that's really rare. I think there's a lot of creatives who are paired together and it might be two fantastic creatives and you put them together. And it just doesn't work. Yeah. I think most of those sort of partnerships where they're, they're kind of, you know, thrown together by circumstances, it's it's a real sort of one in a million that you get this thing to actually click and you find that someone who you can, you know, I, I said the best measure of a good partnership is someone can tell you your idea is awful. Yeah. And you're like, okay, fair enough. Yeah. I was, yeah. was yeah. going to
2: say, do you think it's, they're scared to not be perfect or to not have the right answer yeah, or to admit that their copy is not 100% there or not 100% perfect. I think it could
3: be. And I think it's, you know, you, the, you feel a sense of vulnerability in this job. And especially when you bring other people into yeah. that creative process. Even if you're just writing for that sort of spark, club com- spark plug company. You know, you're writing a blog for them, you've got no emotional attachment to it, but you do still feel like you've created something and you produce yeah. something, yeah. and you feel slightly vulnerable a, a, about that and you feel vulnerable about other people's views on it. Yeah. So you're right. You, you don't always um, present this thing to someone else until it's in what you feel like is perfect shape. And that's the worst time to do yeah. it because that's when feedback's going to be even harder.
2: Yeah. yeah. It, present- it, with,
3: with the Spark Plug Company, you're probably going
1: in to challenge what they're currently yeah. doing as well. So Me, probably, yeah, th- 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 it's a bigger swing, isn't it?
3: Yeah, absolutely. But I think, you know, it's, it's sort of politeness. Uh, yeah. It's a real sort of enemy to that creative collaboration where you feel like someone tells you the idea and you have to go, oh, yeah, I think it's quite good and I yeah, quite like this bit because yeah. you don't want to hurt the feelings. Yeah. And that's fine and that's normal, decent human behaviour. Yeah. But a creative partnership needs to work where you've got – that sort of affection as a partnership that goes to a different level. Yeah. But you don't have to worry about sort of yeah. yeah. You know, it's, it's like having a, a, a close sibling yeah. in a way where you can go, that thing you've just come up with and spent eight hours working on is garbage. You should yeah. You should eat it
2: yeah. rather than yeah, send
3: yeah. it out into the world. And, and that person can go,
2: okay, yeah, fair enough. But you, I guess you're also at the level where you want them to give some sort of constructive yeah. feedback, not necessarily it's crap, start again. It's kind of, why Do don't they like it?
3: But some sometimes you don't even need constructive feedback. You yeah. just need someone to go, no. Yeah. yeah. Because if I get into constructive feedback, it gets into an argument and a debate. Yeah, it's just yeah. the honesty of going, this isn't right for this. Yeah. We're not going to spend another second on it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and then it's just, you know, you, you will become a much more efficient creative when you're in that relationship with someone who will just shut down the wrong things and you know that you can do the same with them yeah. and that doesn't mean you just sat there just you know rejecting each other's <laughs> ideas for eight hours and yeah, then you go yeah, home. yeah um but i think it's you know when that thing sparks yeah and the other person goes yeah maybe not that but i'm interested in a bit a yeah bit. yeah and you go yeah i call like that bit yeah. as well what if we that bit you yeah. know became yeah. bigger and-. so uh, you can't teach that and you can't you know coordinate that as a sort of an external body as a, a company or yeah. a, an organization it's just pure chemistry and chance yeah. isn't it really? i think
1: sometimes it's a bit of experience as well you yeah. just need to be in those scenarios for a little bit yeah. to to get better at just taking a flat out no yeah yeah uh, but given a flat out no um, and then yeah you you spin off bad ideas yeah. you know you take chunks of of good ideas and yeah. and, and work on them best uh, idea wins Best idea wins. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't matter who has it.
3: The best, the best partner I, I sort of ever worked with, and it's probably the only partner I've ever been like, yeah, we, you know, we just get each other. We would just sit and we would just make each other laugh. Yeah. And out of that making each other laugh would come something that's yeah. like, okay, we can do something with this that feels like a grown-up, professional thing to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it was just, you know. Just silliness. And that can happen anywhere. This is why I'm sort of so anti-desk and anti these sort of, you know, fixed traditional working spaces. Yeah. As long as you've got the right people together, it doesn't matter where that happens. Yeah. I yeah. think it probably is best done face to face, but it doesn't have to be in what you would call a traditional working no,
1: Sometimes it's just time exposure, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so completely. Sometimes you just got to be comfortable with that yeah, person.
3: Absolutely. Well, help, before we
1: move into the end, help me summarise some of the advice we've given but then lead into any that you would also have for, for people. So we had things like, uh, don't make it derivative. Don't don't just simply, simply copy. Um, find someone who you can, who you trust their opinion yeah. to get some feedback. Give, give yourself some time to review your own work as well.
2: AI is not scary, but you need to find the right uses for it. Yeah, um, and use it as an aid rather than the only yeah. tool for copy. I
3: think just look at it, and you might look at it and go, "Do you know what? I, I have no use for this." Yeah, and that's all right, but but understand it. Yeah, you know, though it's it's not sort of Frankenstein's monster. Yeah, it's it's the thing that exists, and whether we like it or not, it's it's here, and it's going to play a, a sort of a, a, a big part. Get to know it. Get to figure it out. If there's a way that it can help you, yeah. don't be ashamed of using that way. If there's no way that it can help you, then, you know, fine. Yeah. Yeah. You know, move on from it. So what what, what are some of
1: the mistakes I, or common mistakes you see?
3: I think overwhelmingly sort of the biggest thing is that uh, uh, learning how to be a copywriter, you find yourself only looking at copy. Yeah. You know, I'm going to study to be this thing, so I'll only have a look at uh, adverts and, and sort of good marketing copy. And that's important. You need to kind of figure out, you know, some of the not the, the rules, but some of the, the patterns, yeah. you know, some of the styles, learn from the sort of the really great writers, not just from the past, but the great writers who are sort of active today and writing cool stuff today. Yeah. But that can't be it. You, you know, there's so much more out there in terms of kind of creative expression and kind of creative communication. Yeah. Go and read some, you know, go and read some interesting novels, read some short stories, read poetry, yeah. read plays, yeah. you know, just figure out from all these other sort of creative writing disciplines. What is it that I can use? What is it I can kind of learn and apply yeah. to my own world? If you only ever look at copy, you're only ever going to be good at a certain kind of writing and it's going to be very hard for mm-hmm. you to do that surprising thing. Yeah. If you're only putting this, this kind of, you know, you're creating this loop, I suppose.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, Sorry, I'm just going to say in your book, you write about uh, you shouldn't be able to see the copywriter within the copy. Yeah. I think that kind of bounces off idea, doesn't it? Because if you're only ever looking at copy, I think you might, you know, or specific, specific types of copy, you might then just start putting that within it. And then you might, you might be known for that. And then you might be putting yourself constantly into new copy. A couple of years ago, everyone just started to uh, swear loads in their copy. As a as a type of, oh, this this is disruptive copywriting. If I put (laughs) here, no, it isn't. It's you just put. (laughs) That's all. It's like a kid learning to swear. It's not my tone of voice. Yeah, there's there's no impact. It's pure pure edge lordiness. And I think that is you you can see a lot of a lot of there's quite a few companies who do a lot of that. And you can see if if I see an ad for a different company on LinkedIn or elsewhere, I will go, oh, I bet that company wrote that copy. And nine times out of ten, I'm yeah. right because it's just you can tell it's that yeah. company's yeah. personality within it. So and I think annoyingly,
1: that- my follow-up point has a swear in it, which is uh, <laughs> one of my book bearers. Is is what I call marketing speak within yes. copy, and it's it's when marketers write copy, and I catch myself doing it probably twice a week. More, they <laughs> made, made, on average, on average, so you know, on my. Weeks off on holiday, I don't do it. But uh, I catch myself doing it where it's, uh, you're writing copy that sounds like a marketer's written it and might impress other marketers, mm. but it's not speaking to whoever this company's yeah, yeah. audience is. You're not actually talking to yeah. them at all.
3: I've, I've done training sessions before with, with uh, a couple of companies, one one big really big company, and it was not training them about writing externally. It was about how they sort of write to each other internally. And they'd yeah. started to notice that they were sending emails to each other within the team, they would like sitting, you know, 30 yards away from the person they were emailing, which was a problem in the first place. <laughs> but these emails read like sort of press releases. You know, there were so many sort of buzzwords. There was so much, you know, yeah. <laughs> in yeah. them. It's like we've forgotten how to talk to each other. And it's just nerves. Yeah. You know, people who aren't necessarily writers just feel like, I've got to express this in a professional way. Yeah. And you agonize over an email. And when you agonize over an email, it, it goes from what should be two sentences to 20 sentences. Yeah. So we did loads of exercises just to kind of free them up a little bit. Yeah. And we played with tone of voice and we played with length. There's a game where it's like, right, you've got to send this message to someone. But you're going to roll this dice first, and the dice tells you how many words you've got to say. Yeah, it. nice. Yeah, uh, and it's just that I think play. You know, uh, whether you are a professional writer or or you, you know, it's just you know the everyday communication that's part of your job. Yeah. Just playing with it and just having fun and just doing silly things and learning from kind of what what's possible. Yeah, all of that is going to make you more effective. Yeah, and make you just more human in your language. Yeah,
1: I think, I think Oscar Wilde wrote. I didn't have time to write a short letter, so I wrote a long one. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Any other okay. tips? Tips, drawbacks, mistakes you see? Cause tips. Because you, you see a lot of our work, so you see a lot of mistakes going <laughs> was, out, Jeff.
0: Was it, was it Wild or Hemingway who said uh, r- write, drunk, edit, sober? Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> no, I've tried it. It's just not good. <laughs> They no, maybe do it. Yeah, we 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 do it where we we often just we'll, we'll often just pitch loads and loads and loads of ideas. So it's pure just like brain dumpery. Yeah, of course. And then out of that, you can salvage something. But I guess we've probably already mentioned that tip. Yeah. Or yeah. I think
3: all, all I would say is that you know, in a in a place like this, you you, you will all develop your sort of your natural ways of doing it. It will just fit together, it won't be Any sort of conscious decisions, it won't be a sort of any any sort of process framework that you've sort of painstakingly kind of written out, it will just fit together. And then the temptation is to, you know, watch a TED Talk or read a book about marketing or listen to a podcast about marketing and feel like, oh, we don't do that. Are we doing it wrong? Yeah. Yeah. No, you're not doing it wrong. The stuff that evolves naturally, the stuff that feels like it fits, as long as the work that's coming out at the end of that feels consistently sort of surprising and satisfying for you as a team. And I think it's always this fear in the industry that you have to adhere to the right way the right way of yeah, doing things yeah. and there isn't it doesn't exist yeah you know that's why there's such an enormous market for these books because everyone could keep producing a book that says this is the right way to do it yeah and then someone else can do another book that says yeah. no no this is the right way to do it yeah. there's a reason why there are so many right ways yeah yeah you know in book form out there in waterstones and i think it's just have a bit more confidence in the scruffiness yeah. and the organicness of your own way of doing things
1: yeah definitely what a great place to leave it. Okay. Thanks for coming on today. Thanks Absolute for joining us. Absolutely pleasure.
0: Uh, I'm really enjoying your book. Uh, I did move my bookmark further down so like oh, I could no, read more. Yeah, but, I've noticed uh, that. Yeah. But there's no page numbers like we said earlier. I don't know where I'm going with it's it. chaos. Yeah. Each yeah. page is Pure a different one. Yeah. It's a mental choose-your-own-adventure.
1: <laughs> I, I really enjoyed the book, and I think you bought it at the same time, didn't you, on, yeah. on release? Fantastic. I, and we chatted about it quite a bit. The only annoying thing was there's maybe 20 good book recommendations within the book so
3: so you build up a library yeah (laughs) so someone actually counted them up and posted it on linkedin the other week and i think it was about 45 yeah which is (laughs) frightening it's frightening there's that much in there yeah
1: but it's a big topic and uh you know go on amazon and uh get those affiliate get those affiliate links Uh, they're in the sale so uh yeah don't give authors any money is that something you'd endorse What's that? Not giving authors any of the money and just doing sales stuff. No.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Scrap what Rob says. Go to Waterstones or yes, uh, WH Smith. Is there any follow-up plans?
1: For,
2: yeah, for it's book. done. It's, it's okay, done. It's, nice. it's
3: with the publisher at the moment. They are. Uh, we're, we're planning what happens next. Yeah, brilliant. Are so you going
0: yeah. up or down with the number of thoughts?
3: Up. You're going up, okay. Up smaller thoughts but more of them okay it's nice. <laughs> the nice. really my, my ethos nice I like it brilliant <laughs> yeah yeah
2: when's expected release? sometime
3: in 2024 okay, okay. That's, that, that's, that's
0: as vague as George R.R. R. Martin there it's
1: yeah, still, still, still <laughs> in the, I'm
3: gonna say soon
1: anyone listening or watching go buy Andrew Bolton's copywriting is the first book and then keep your eyes on him for the second one absolutely brilliant thank Perfect. you thanks thank you. very much